yes, yes, yes. Hello and welcome. <laughs> Get in immediately. Get in immediately. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Free Midfield Podcast, a podcast where three friends who all had dreams of being professional footballers dashed away as children when we all discovered food have their say on the Premier League. CK, well, that's one take. I'm coming for your role already. Um, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have three fantastic guests with us. It will be four. Um, other Daniel, I'll call him Papilo because Daniel is here first, so he's gonna get his Daniel and he's gonna keep his Daniel. Um, Excellent. but <laughs> but he's gonna be here soon. But anyway, let me introduce the guest first for the first time ever on the show. I don't know why it's taking this long, Grace. <laughs> but he's my brother in arms, yeah, my favorite Irishman. I've told him, but he's probably my favorite guy ever to be honest. Ever, we've, we've covered this, Kojo. It's ever okay, ever. ever. My favorite okay. guy ever. 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 ever, ever. Joe, how you doing, bro? Unreal. I am sorry again for that. Um, I am absolutely delighted to finally be on. Uh, I check out the show as much as I possibly can whenever it's on. And uh, Coach has been on to be coming on. And it just the, the timeline is never skewed up properly. So I'm just absolutely delighted that I'm able to do it today. And I've been looking forward to doing it. So thanks for having me on. This is going to be great crack. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, man. Um, I'll do another newcomer as well for the first time ever. Local fan, local fan who doesn't like certain players. <laughs> a local fan like certain players, which I do not understand to this day. But it is what it is. He's not agenda driven. He is. He's, he speaks his truth. Rayan, how you doing, bro? Yeah, all good, man. Yeah, good intro there, bro. And cheers for having me on. Yeah, it's good to be on this show for the first time, man. So yeah, love for that, bro. I love for coming on. Your other Liverpool fan who's been here before will come, but you know, he's not turning up on time and doing his job like Bobby Firmino. So it is what it is. Um, and finally, blue is the colour. Look at the smile on his face. Beautiful face, beautiful hair. My guy, Daniel, how you doing, bro? Yeah, I'm good, man. I appreciate it. Um, good to be on and good to be on with great guests, man. Should be fun. It will be fun. It will be fun. Let's let's get to the fun bit of news that's, that's stormed this weekend. Uh, a huge game in... Premier League and football history was put up in this weekend, which was May night versus Liverpool. Mm. However, it was postponed due to absolute anarchy at Old Trafford when protests took over the stadium outside and inside the stadium as well. Um, so we're going to, I'm sure everyone that's listening and is watching has knows what's going on and all that. I'm not going run to on, run on about it. Joe, Manchester United fan, born and yeah. bred. Your opinions on the protest, like... What do you? How did you feel when you were watching all this unravel? Yeah, I, if I felt this sort of thing was inevitable, and I felt like um, the only time it could happen was during the United Liverpool game. Uh, the first, as it was unraveling, I was my first thoughts were I was worried, uh, not for saying before fans and for the people that were in the stadium at the time, as in like stewards and stuff like that, that no one would get hurt. And obviously, there was people who got minor injuries, and there was um, a bit of property damage. And uh, I think it was better organized if there was more leadership. That wouldn't have happened. There would have been a show of uh, of force from the fans, but it wouldn't have turned the way it did. But luckily, it didn't turn as bad as people made it out to be. But these incidents did happen. Uh, I don't like anyone enjoying themselves in a protest because that's not what it's there for. Um, I, I think it's a show of unity outside the ground. But when you break an entry, uh, which is a statement that was made, and it was uh, whatever way you want to look at that, but there can't be people jumping on the goals. There can't be people um, getting the ball and kicking it in the net because that that's not what the protest is about. It's not doing this to have a laugh in there. Um, I think what should have happened if there's any sort of leadership, they would have gotten in, been on the pitch and just sat down and then, and then have to be made clear from the pitch. I think anything that happens aside from that 
um, puts a negative light on what the protest is. I think as a whole, and I think it's been seen as as a whole as a good thing to happen, an inevitable thing that happened. Um, but for me, if it was better organized, it would have been more peaceful. There would have been a lot of more older fans there, and it would have been seen as as um, a just cause more than it is probably seen now. Even though I think the majority of the media, media and stuff are behind it, there are still a couple of people who are like, well, they did this and did that. And I think the problem was with organization, but overall, once the, step, the dust has cleared a bit, I'm happy that it happened. Um, but okay, so I've, I've never actually asked you this question before. And I think I know the answer, but I'm gonna ask you anyway. What is, your, <laughs> what is your overall thoughts on the Glazers' overall tenure at the club? Because I I don't like them one bit, so you don't have yeah. to agree with me about them. Um, but obviously, people from the outside looking in, if they didn't know football as a whole, mm -hmm. and they heard that the Glazers have spent this much money, but in return we had run what six sides Ferguson left, and the next spend being over seven hundred million, we've only got three yeah. accolades to show for it. Yes, but what is your thoughts over the whole sixteen years now at the club? Um. Awful, like horrendous. We were lucky when they came in, we had the greatest manager who ever lived who could demand a bit more out of them or could con had complete control over the club that if he wanted to spend, he was very sure how this player would play in this position. And that 70 million equivalent, 30 million, whatever we would get, it would generally go on the right player because that was what we needed to progress. But once his once Fergie left, that structure was gone and we were shown for the shallow ownership and leadership on the boardroom as we do have. So then there was no guidance. There was, who do we get? Uh, David Moyes. Who do we, uh, that fails. We don't know who to buy. We'll put money behind it, but it's money that the Glazers aren't putting in. Don't forget that the Glazers have not put a penny into the club. It's only the, whatever we spent on player was raised from the club and the rest, they're robbing. I know it's their money, so technically they're not robbing, but we're so huge in debt, thanks to them. They're, they're taking money out of the club. They're not giving us money. They're just allowing us to spend our own money. So once the leadership was gone from Fergie, and once they put no trust in any manager after they realised they don't want them to spend $70 million on a player because we haven't won the Premier League the first time we let them play it. They let them fail, they let them falter, and they let them go. This is the only time under Ali that we have a manager that they know 90% of the fans are going to support him. And then, and also giving him time, he is showing progression. It might be as quick as the fans wanted to be, but it's like he's not spending as much and the club is growing. It's getting Champions League football. So I think they're having a bit more faith in him, even though they didn't back him in the last transfer window either. So they tried to get, like, in a, if if he didn't, if he wasn't doing as well now with what they gave him, he'd be gone by now. I know that, that makes no sense as well. But um, yeah, no, they're, they're um, absolute um, scum is the best best way to say it and the sooner they're gone the better and it's not just our club it's it's pretty pretty much clubs across um the top six that have these awful owners that need to be gone there is no positives i can give them they did they haven't done anything for us rather than give us pennies when they've taken pounds you know yeah i understand what you said before i ask daniel a question i want to introduce second daniel i was i was papilo my bro how you doing sir? how you doing guys yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How's everyone doing? Super swell. How are you, Daniel? Yeah, nice okay, to meet you. Cool, cool, man. Yeah, it's nice to meet you too. You're, you're normally late, and I'm I'm normally late. So <laughs> <laughs> good that you replaced me today. Um, because you are late, I have to just swap you two over because you are second Daniel today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, Daniel, uh, first Daniel, yes. this way to ask you. So from the outside looking in, when you are seeing. All of this unravel on Sky Sports. What were your thoughts watching the the protests and 
What was the trigger behind it? You think it's a super league or you think there's something more behind it? Where do you even start? How do you unpack this? Um, I'm someone who says that you can never um, get onto a club for um, wanting their owners out because as rival fans, you can never fully understand the extent to which owners have treated their fans. Fans respond. Like, if you have good owners, you're not going to protest at the end of the day. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's one thing. Second of all, I do understand it. I, I'm, I've, I've looked into it and then I've had United fans explain it to me as well. What the Glazers are doing um, is borderline cheeky. Like, not even borderline. It is cheeky what they're doing really and truly because um, when you think about investments, the reason why you invest, because I'm always of the mindset that that's why when I link it to the Super League thing, I'm always of the mindset that when you invest, whether it be property, whether it be whatever, you put money into it so that you can get money out of it. Do you know what I'm saying? And as long as the Glazers are putting money into United and ensuring that through other avenues such as the success that putting all the money that they can into it, into their investment, brings out of it through the success that United would get if they were winning trophies based on the squad that they were getting, then it's a positive relationship. Do you know what I'm saying? But obviously the Glazers aren't doing that. Took out Bought the club, bought the club um, with debt, put the debt in the club's name, I believe, and stuff like that. So I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit nuts. Like, that's crazy to, to think of it, um, that they've just treated it. They've treated Man United and disrespected Man United. And I think it, it sounds bad, but because Man United are such a big club, like, it, that's why it's getting all the traction. I feel like if a lesser club, if this happened to a lesser club, it would, we wouldn't receive this. It wouldn't receive the same type of attention as. But it has. But that, it has happened. Like, look at Bury, um, the most recent example. That was literally um, ownership that that siphoned um, money out of the club and was is now one of the oldest football clubs is now gone. You know, it's yeah, happened it's to clubs across, up and down the country, and it's happening every day. So you're dead right in saying it's not getting the media. It's getting more because it's Man United, but it happens the whole fucking time. And and it's, it's a joke, really, that it does happen. I think one thing I will say is, and I don't really want to go into the Super League too much because we've spoken about it in so much detail, but at the end of the day, I, I have said that it's there's a lot of hypocrites around. Like, mm. look, no one's proud of Roman for, for following the crowd, as they said he did. He didn't want to get left behind. But we don't need to protest against Roman. Roman's been one of the best things to happen, if not the best thing to happen to Chelsea. You can't just throw that all in, all in the bin because... He saw financial gain in an investment that he's actually put money into. So I, I'm not going to blame him for that because the Premier League has allowed the avenues for these rich owners to come in and take over these clubs. So then you can't complain about these same rich owners making a decision in their own life. That's one thing. Two, I would say that the Sky Sports thing as well, I just thought it was... Uh, I, I made a tweet yesterday which actually got a bit of traction. I thought I was going to receive a lot of backlash for it, but... Like a lot of people agreed with me. I said, look, if as United fans, I disagreed with going onto the pitch. I agree wholeheartedly with the the, the protesting um, and everything to do with putting pressure on the Glazers, going onto the pitch and breaking. It's basically breaking an entry if you think about mm. it. it. It's a bit. It's 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 wild. Not even a bit, but it's wild. Um, I I think it's hypocritical from Sky Sports path because. Gary Neville has been giving his personal views about the Super League and this the protests, praising it and all of this kind of stuff, saying it's enough's enough. Daddy, daddy, are talking about regulations, but then Sky Sports, like uh, it's, it's it's almost as if because I don't know if you remember the clip where Gary Neville gave the same remarks about racism and then um, 
the guy was like, oh, this is not Sky Sports personal yeah. news. This is yeah. all Gary Neville's. That's news. right, like, yeah. yeah. So, like, it, it's just, I, I just, it rubs me off the wrong way, innit? But just as a final point, I just think all in all, um, as football fans, or individually as Man United, like, getting the owners out, I, I understand it fully. And it's something that possibly needs to be done. However, what I will say is that it's always risky in these situations because I always say the grass isn't always greener. But of course, the Glazers don't deserve Man United with the way that they've treated it. So, mm. yeah, man. Nothing that's very fair. Now, let's go to the the other side, the other team that was supposed to be playing this weekend that it was cancelled. Rayon, come to you first. Liverpool, um, your smoking was held for a couple of weeks, which is absolutely <laughs> fine. Um, <laughs> but um, no, in all seriousness, are you satisfied with your club owner, your club owners? Nah, no chance, bro. Like they clearly, it's like, and we've known it for a while. Obviously, like when the two years we were winning the Champions League and Premier League, you know, not a lot of focus and attention was going on to the owners because of the fact that you know when you're winning those two trophies and doing so well, the owners are pretty much the last thing on your mind. You're busy enjoying your own success and your team doing well, but obviously because this season has gone wrong um and they didn't put enough money didn't invest as much as they should have done you know especially after you have won a title you want to go again it's shown that you know they don't care about the club and when you have no confidence in them reinvesting in the summer you know because changes do need to be made at liverpool in terms of personnel you know we've seen that this season and you know not having the confidence in them to be give us the money to be able to do that and to go again next season just shows that you know nah they're not the they're not the right guys and i can actually for some reason i can actually see them selling up as well because i feel with this super league thing obviously that was the final straw you know what they did a couple of weeks back but i, th- I think that with this super league thing i always feel like these American owners, when they brought the club in 2010, their long-term dream and aim at the club was to make this Super League happen, was to make basically make it into a franchise sport like in America. And obviously, that I can't see that happening now. So I think, what is that, what's in it for them anymore? You, do you get what I mean? What is in it for FSG anymore at Liverpool? They might as well just sell the club. And I can see them doing that in maybe the next couple of years, to be honest. Hmm. Uh, Daniel, second Daniel, your thoughts on what Ryan said? Because obviously you're a Liverpool fan as well. You've enjoyed success at your club um, in the last couple of years. And to be honest, I know you two, you've been quite happy with what has happened at the club so far. But in terms of the ownership, me and you have never had that discussion also. How, how do you feel about what Ryan said? And do you agree with what he's saying? Um, I agree and disagree with a lot of things. The first thing I definitely agree with is not happy with the owners, but I don't think most Liverpool fans have been happy with the owners. But for me, it's probably a different reason to probably United fans. I'm not happy with the owners purely because I've always felt when you're at the top, you always need to buy and reinvest in your squad. For example, we won the Champions League and then we buy Adrian and Harvey Elliott. No disrespect to both of them, but that's not going to build us a good team over the years. But the one thing I will say about these owners is I can't really hate them. I'm old enough to remember when I was watching Sky News 
eyes glued to the TV, sneaking downstairs so my parents don't catch me and get in massive trouble to see if we're going to go into administration or not. Like Same. that, yeah, yeah, I remember that, that nearly happened, and it was FSG that saved us from that. Another thing I would say about FSG is that a lot of things that you're seeing in football now, all this data analytics, they were doing that back in 2011, 2012, when they brought in that transfer committee. At the start, people were getting onto them, but they brought in Michael Edwards from Tottenham Hotspur, and people yeah. are calling him a genius with a lot of the signings that he that he got for Liverpool. So there are a lot of bad sides, but I don't think that they're totally evil. I just want them to go just because I want to compete with Man City and Chelsea, not because I think that they're bad owners. If you look at it from a business perspective and how much they've contributed to our success, I can't really hate them if I'm being totally honest. And the reason why I'm not like FSG out, FSG out is because if I'm being honest, if I'm FSG out, there's only one person I want to take over, the Saudis. But the Saudis are not good people themselves. So so that'll be so that'll be so hypocritical. So when I thought about that, I'm just like, you know what? I might not like them, but they're not the Glazers, they're not evil, they're not ruining Liverpool. If anything, they've made Liverpool a big club in the twenty first century again. So it's it, it's hard for me. It's hard. I I agree. I completely disagree with Daniel um, <laughs> uh, about I I completely like understand and everything you love for Liverpool. I'm I'm obviously the opposite. But like they didn't do anything. Okay, they saw an opportunity when they bought Liverpool because like the, if you have the money and the fact that it was being run so poorly beforehand, if you have the money and you the potential in Liverpool, the potential in raising um, the basically getting so much more money from Liverpool in the years to come is like was so open and so obvious that they went down in the full intention to eventually get into a Super League and eventually maximize profit. So like what they did now, what, well, I didn't even notice there was a big deal about them until the Super League came out and I found out all the discourse from Liverpool fans. But like they're pretty much as bad as the Glazers except they apologize. That's it. I think like eventually you'll come to despise them as much as we despise Liverpool because as we despise the Glazers. But it's just that you've won the Champions League and you've won the league since they've been there, and you should have won another Premier League as well. But I really, there's no real difference for me. But but Alpha, the reason why I'll disagree with that and why I say they're not as bad as the Glazers is because firstly the Glazers bought United, as Daniel said, without putting in their own money. What the Glazers are doing at United, they've done at other clubs as well. For example, with their football team, yeah, yeah. They, built, they built a stadium with the tax money. It was meant to be half tax money, half the Glazers' money, but the Glazers didn't even put up their own money. They took out mm. another loan. So Glazers have been doing those practices. With FSG, what they did with bringing in the data and analysts, analysts they, did that, yeah. they did that at the Red Sox as well. So there's mm. parallels between them. I like. I think the Glazers are pure evil. FSG are just businessmen, which... We don't like in football. That's yeah, that's yeah. the two differences I see. Yes, that's one thing I do. Sorry, like this one thing yeah, I do yeah. agree with in terms of like what Daniel says. One thing I will give FSG credit for is they have eventually, at you know, appointed the right people in terms of the manager, the board. You know, you know, they appointed the right manager in Klopp. They appointed Michael Edwards. The board members, you know, they've shown that the model has worked in terms of recruitment because. You know, you brought players for a system and you no. won the Premier League and Champions League. I disagree. I, I disagree that you're saying um, it, it has worked. Okay, it's worked with the first 11. But then you see when Van Dijk is injured, you're you're fucked. When one or two players are out of form, yeah, you're yeah. gone. So like, as, and then, so they invested 
where they knew pretty much 100% that this is going to be fine. And then they were, they obviously were recruitment through Salah and stuff like that. Then over the last couple of seasons, like you, you, you won the Premier League one season, the Champions League the other season. You didn't exactly con- you conquer the world as much as you should have, but how much you feel that like this dynasty should have gone on for because there was no recruitment put into your your starting 15, like your bench and then and the new players coming through. And Alpha, we com- I, I completely agree with that. That's why I said like after we won the Champions League, yeah, when we bought yeah. Adrian and yeah. Harvey Elliott, I was annoyed. And like that's that's one thing I don't like about FSG. They've, they've, hold on, they've, wait, they've, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Just play something. It just hit me. That is, just hit me. Hold on, hold on. I just realised you're calling Joe Alpha because of the Alpha United. His name is Joe Brad. <laughs> Yo, Kojo, 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 you could have wrote that in the chat. I didn't even notice that. I didn't even notice that. You should have wrote that in the chat. Hey, that is too funny. I clocked it the last time, but I thought, let me just leave it. And then when you said it again, I said, nah, I couldn't hold it. That is too funny. I'm sorry, bro. I don't consider it in the chat, but because you said it again, I was like, no, nah, everyone's heard that now. But, I have to, I have to do no, but do you know what? What's what's interesting, and just like my final thoughts on it, is in my opinion, where I agree with Joe, um, because I agree with both sides of the argument, where I agree with Joe is because I just think the Glazers and um, FSG is a classic case of saying who's worse between the drug dealer and the murderer, really and truly. Mm. And then there's, there's that side of things. I don't think both are necessarily good. I think what make FSG look better is because we've seen certain results um, come out of Liverpool um, to an extent with the Champions League, the Premier League, and obviously there's the trophies that Man United obviously haven't had in the success there. But where I will say that the Glazers are actually bad is because Look, at the end of the day, we can see it clearly in the in the Glazers' other investments. The Glazers will single-handedly be like considered one of the worst owners in the history of sports, if not for um, the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. So, obviously, the NFL, not to go off course a little bit, but they won the Super Bowl. And they only won the Super Bowl because Tom Brady came to them. If not for that, the Bucs have been one of the worst NFL teams, yeah. one of the worst-run teams known to man. And Tom Brady just decides, yeah, let me just go to this team and save their life, basically. Yeah. And they win their Super Bowl. So really, and they they only had, prior to the Super Bowl, they had one Super Bowl. And that wasn't even under the Glazers because the Glazers took charge um, uh, 2005, around the same time. No, I, I actually, I do think they won the Super Bowl with them. I'm only, the only Not reason I think... It was, I know, I th- it was before. It was before. Are you it sure? No, because yeah. I I remember when the Glazers bought United, there was an image of Malcolm Glazer holding the, holding it. Yeah, I remember yeah. that as well. Yeah. Well, let me. Yeah, I literally I just have that image clear in my in my brain. That's I remember because that's how they we introduced. That's how Sky News introduced them as being like he's he has a history in sports and it was him holding the. The, the Super Bowl trophy. I hope, I hope he didn't do like a John Terry where he had no part to play in it, but took a picture of it anyway. That's what I'm saying. That's, yeah, yeah, I'm going to check. Well, I, yeah, I bought you now, so I guess it belongs to me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I hope he's not doing that. Kind he of just took it, took it home with him, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One thing I will say, I don't know if you guys have talked about this, it, but the protest, I, I respect it so much. Like, I think yeah, anyone yeah. who doesn't rate the protest, I don't know why they wouldn't, because... United fans have been glazers out for a very long time. I have a brother that supports United. He's been glazer out since 2005. Mm. That's what, 16 years. The green and yellow scarves, they came out for a reason. The, the team in the non-league that was a branch out of Manchester United because of the hate of the glazers. So, like, 
it's just been building up and building up and building up. And what happened on Sunday, I have to respect it because that's the only way I think that the fans can try and get their clubs back if they're not rich enough to buy them. Well, I, I think we should we'll, we'll close it here. I was going to say on my part, uh, we've been hearing words like it's, it's wrong, it's disrespectful. For me, it's like this. You know when you got a friend and you try to be nice with them when they're doing something wrong, you're like, listen, you do this, but this, but I don't do this. And you try to see if they're hearing it, but at some point, it's not getting through to them. So you just have to get onto their neck and rip into them. This is what you need to do sometimes. You need to give them a level of disrespect where they're hearing that, sit down and be like, right, they're really not happy with what I'm doing right now, isn't it? We've not been happy with the Glazers from the day they took over. And the protests have been small here and there. They've been green gold scarves. In the crowd, I think everyone remembers when um, Beckham came back with AC yeah. Milan and he put a scarf around his neck because we were protesting that day also. But that was during a match day, watching the game and well, supporting the club. But this disrespect was too long. It has been going on for too long. And the Super League was obviously the trigger because now you're just actually trying to just throw another level of disrespect. But this disrespect is, is another level. So we will match disrespect with disrespect. That's how it's going to be. So we need to continue doing this, in my opinion. Obviously, I don't condone violence either. Yes, of course. But the protest can't stop. This has to be something that continues going. Because if it stops, if we, I, I see it already. There'll be fans that if we win the Europa League, uh, yeah, 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 Man United, woo, Europa League, great Champions League, and there'll be nothing from those kind yeah. of guys. But the rest of you that really want change at the club, because we need it, do it. Everyone else, the Cron case, if you're not happy with FSG, so on and so forth. If you're not happy, do your most to get these guys out of your club. All right, let's go. Moving on. Uh, let's go straight to Chelsea. The Blues uh, in great form. Champions League semi-finalist. Um, was it a draw at Real Madrid? 1-1, one, one, wasn't it? 1-0. Yeah, 1-0 yeah, yeah. And another win again this weekend. So, Daniel, I want to come to you first, obviously, since you are the Chelsea fan in the building. Can you highlight what Tuchel is doing at Chelsea that's very different to what uh, Frank Lampard Jr. was doing at your club. Because full name. Full, full name, name Frank full Lampard. Name. That's a full name. Because <laughs> yeah. obviously I think everyone was waiting for us to beat him with after the 5-2 with West Brom. But that's one result out of how many. But you, you go ahead and tell us what you think about what he's doing so far and the, the result also. Well, the difference between Tuchel and what Tuchel has done at Chelsea and what Lampard has done um, isn't isn't rocket science. It's just mm. experience. Better manager, knows how to use his players, knows how to man-manage, seen things that Lampard hasn't seen. And I guess it comes, like, you can even use real-life real experiences. I mean, that's the reason why a lot of companies um, are always worried about giving um, graduates and a lot of early... Um, like job risers or job seekers, a job in their position. Just experience is one of the biggest excuses you hear from company owners. Mm. Really and truly, football's no different. Like experience is what's changed everything. Lampard did get a run of clean sheets and a run of good results, but then when the results went bad and sour, he didn't really know how to get Chelsea out of that situation. So that's why two, the the plug got pulled on that um, um, appointment. Um, Tuchel comes in. And changes it. I mean, we were tenth. Shouldn't have really won. Beat Atletico Madrid in the in the Champions League. Um, I mean, uh, I think we've had a fortunate FA Cup run, bar Man City in the semi-final. So that's helped Tuchel along the way. Um, 
And yeah, man, it's just a it's just a feel good factor at Chelsea now. We play better football. Um, I disagree heavily with a lot of people who say that um the football that we play um it can be boring and things like that. I think we still need to wait for him to have the players to implement what he wants to implement. I think we're we're seeing an indication as to how he wants to play, especially in the big games. I think in the small games, as a as a Chelsea or as a manager in a Premier League team, you need time to kind of manoeuvre around these teams. I remember when Pep Guardiola first came in, he really struggled. He really struggled to implement his football against the lesser teams and he scraped fourth place, like call a spade a spade, he scraped that fourth place and people were getting ready to beat him with a stick. So I think judging the football right now after half, not even half a season, less than half a season would be really unfair because I don't even think Klopp was able to implement the style he wanted to implement till the the latter couple of seasons. So that when you finished, so the year before you finished fourth is when you could really see what you were trying to do, if that makes sense. Um, before Salah had his like um, record-breaking season and that. So, yeah, man, I think we can't judge the football yet. But in terms of on the pitch, look, I mean, he's put us in a great position where if we win the Champions League, for example, not saying we're the favourites at all, I actually think we're last out of all the teams remaining. But if we do win the Champions League, like we've cheated the process massively. Like all the processes that people talk about. For the second time as well. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> to be fair though, the first time, even though we didn't deserve to win it, we had all our peak players. Like he's when he could potentially win the Champions League with no spine, no like who's really our go-to player. No out and out striker who gets us 30 goals a season. Do you know what I'm saying? At least under Di Matteo, you still had Lampard, you still had John Terry, you still had Ashley Cole, you still had Didier Drogba, you still had Petr Cech, you still had players, basically the the legend of Ch- the legends of Chelsea. You still yeah. had all of them. Like who does Tuchel re- can really say, apart from maybe Kante, is world class in that team without a shadow of a doubt, without even debating it. I think only Kante has really proven that he's a world class player in terms of what he provides. So. I think that will be one of the that will be a more impressive Champions League win than the 2012 one, without a shadow of a doubt, in my opinion. Especially uh, considering how the season has started. Uh, I'm gonna ask Joe. I'm so, really annoyed right now, why, okay? Why, why? Because I was looking forward to having a rant about Chelsea, but Daniel's after speaking so much fucking sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm absolutely raging. I'm absolutely raging. I was I was sitting there, I was like, ah oh, great, we're talking Chelsea. I can I can spit some facts and then Daniel just spits his facts. I'm like, well, I'm I'm out of facts because he's uh, just speaking sense. Joe, Shit. Joe doesn't look. I, I write I write for them, so I got all the facts ready, man. Yeah, he's ready. But okay, so the United way in the comments did say though that I shouldn't ask you what you think of Frank Lampard. So I know we shouldn't really go off in the past, but what what is your issue with Frank? Uh, he's a Tory, first of all. Um <laughs> like after uh, off the bat I don't think I need to really explain any more than that but like facts are facts I just I hate um, I wasn't even so much him it was more so the British media immediately elevating him to being a god when like I always respect him as a footballer I was top class and um, I think people he did he did did type a derby because derby were constantly getting into the playoffs and playoffs final just weren't getting promoted to uh, like top half of the championship table so he did grand with them but like to go from that to the Chelsea job and people constantly saying, oh, he's he's got like, he, you need to give him time, but he's going to succeed and all like that. And yeah, he's done so well. It's like, he just didn't. He just didn't. And then you have, on the opposite side of things, you had Solskjaer. Because he's not a, a lovely, happy British uh, Tory boy, um, he's a PE teacher. 
Do you know what I mean? The media see him as that. And also because uh, he's a foreigner as well, people see him as that. Do you know what I mean? He, the, it wasn't a level playing field. It was uh, one is uh, the golden boy and the one is we can't, we can't wait to get rid of him. We just need him to fail so we can we can all laugh at Joe, him. Look, look at it straight away. Like Even what what is it's the, it's the media coupled with the fan bases. At the end mm. of the day, the reason why Oli still has this tag, of course, Oli doesn't help himself in certain ways when he goes into post-match. Um, conferences and presses and he says weird things and mm. he's a bit unorthodox and a bit uneasy when you when he speaks but at the end of the day man united fans have also laid into that, that yeah. stereotype of ollie and it sticks when when fans say things it sticks like lampard had no grounding to even be um considered as one of the top managers in the league i do think he did overachieve finishing fourth transfer ban a lot of young players got debut. i i disagree i disagree that with transfer ban um because you signed two players all right but aside from that okay <laughs> I, that transfer ban exists okay kovacic who everyone yes. disrespected no yeah. one thought kovacic was that good after his first year because everyone was saying no goals no assists what does he really do to the team and now everyone finally yeah. understands what he does and then Pulisic, do you know what? Fair enough. I, I, Pulisic is still a big, especially with the way he played in the lockdown um, part yeah. of the season as well. So yeah. that was a good addition for the squad. But look, I think Frank Lampard is old news and I tell Frank, Ch Chelsea fans this all the time. Great legend will always be a great player in the club, but yeah. he was just a under par and that's being a really, really nice manager. He wasn't good at all. He, he lacked a lot of key principles and we found out a lot of things like I, I had the privilege of speaking to a lot of the athletic Chelsea guys about mm. actually what went wrong with um, the Frank Lampard situation. And there were just a lot of fundamental things that a Premier League manager needs to have that he doesn't have. So the man management skills, apparently Jody Morris was doing a lot of the communicating yeah. in terms of tactics and things like that. And that's not, that's not, when you don't command the respect, because I know Alex Ferguson um, deferred to Carlos Quiroz in yes. terms of tactics quite yeah. a bit. And even Mike Phelan as well did a lot of the mm. tactical work as well. Yeah. But what Alex Ferguson had was the respect of the players. He he he. You couldn't. You knew what Alex Ferguson was bringing to the table, and that was never in question. Yeah. I think when you when you don't have that respect yet, you can't be deferring. You can't be. They just you just have to have more about you as a manager. So and a lot of the times you could see again in the presses. I think mm. two key distinctions. I've been going on waffling for a long time, but two key distinctions is that one. You could see that in the presses, the way Lampard came across, it was always about the passion. We weren't running enough. And where the 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 the, the nail in the coffin was, he said we didn't run enough when we lost to Leicester, lost 2-0 to Leicester, and he said we didn't run enough. We actually outran Leicester that game. And the high the top three runners were Chelsea players. So that's where yeah. you use all respect. I remember I, yeah. sorry, I remember him saying as well, um, what was it? It's not on me, it's the players. The message was yeah. clear. And you're yeah. like, who are you to throw them under the bus? Like, you're a great player. Not you don't you have not earned the respect as a manager to say this. Unfortunately, the world we live in, managers have to go out unless something has gone titanically wrong. You defend the players to the ground. You can destroy yeah. them in the dressing room, but uh, like you have to have a united front. And he was lacking that because of his arrogance and his ego. Yeah. Um, yeah. coming from being like the top goal scorer and the most appearances and all like that, coming back to his club, which he took the job. If he had any sort of sense, he wouldn't take the job. Like the one thing you can say about Ali, at least he had five, six years. Um, as being like an, an actual manager, a working manager, you know, and he also worked with the reserve and stuff like that. I had a relationship with the players, but Flank Park comes in and is trying to tell these players what to do. And like you're saying, and he's deferring, like, like you're saying, Ferguson was famously 
hasn't been a coach since 1989 um, because he trusted in his uh, lieutenants to kind of, um, and that, that includes Roy Keane on the pitch and stuff like that as well, to implement his plan. But like he wouldn't be the nitty gritty, but he would bring in people to do that because that's the thing is you don't have to be able to do everything. Jurgen Klopp isn't the best coach in the world, but he's the incredible man management. That's why his assistant was so important. That's why there was a big hullabaloo when he was, um, he left just before the Champions League final and they're all very worried because he is the brain, they say. But like, it, it all is what Klopp wants to do is just these players, these, sorry, the coaches and all like that are the best people to get it out with the players. That's why they're there. So like, um, yeah, that's me, my point on Ferguson anyway. Sorry, I didn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Um, uh, second Daniel, I want to pick up on something that first Daniel said. I want to ask you. He said the fans, or not, not Chelsea fans per se, but people are trying to get onto the style of football that's being played at Chelsea. But... When you're getting the results, does the style really matter? No, no one cares about style. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I think all this style stuff is so overrated. I'll give you a good example. Liverpool, we play better football when we were finishing fourth than when we finished second yeah. and first. We played a lot better football. Our intensity, the way we were pressing, we were pressing a lot more. It was more entertaining to watch. But which football did I prefer? When we came second, when we came first, because we were collecting more points, we'd be 1-0 down with 15 minutes to go and we're not going gung-ho. I think results are the most important thing. Um, anyone who says otherwise is just fooling themselves. But then the reason why the reason why I do agree, disagree to an extent is because the reason why style is a major issue in Chelsea's case is because it's about forecasting. A lot of the managers that we've seen that get sacked under Chelsea um, that when they're managing Chelsea, it's because it gets too repetitive. Players get annoyed with the the manager style. Mm. Um, people are saying that I saw an ESPN commentator say that um, these Chelsea players will soon get tired of Tuchel's uh, methods. I mean, one of the reasons, big reasons why Conte got sacked is because they thought his training methods were too repetitive and monotonous, and they didn't really like it. That's why I do think style to us is just. Um, what we see on a week-to-week -week basis when our teams play matches. But style, style to the players is actually how everything is implemented in training because you can only implement style through how you train. Do you know but, what I'm saying? But, Dan, would you say that's like a rare issue in modern football, not just Chelsea? Because everything you've heard, I've heard that with past Bayern Munich yeah. managers. Yeah. With yeah. Apart from Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger, I don't know a, a top club that's the manager longer than four or five years. So the issue of players getting bored, I think it will be an issue in almost every club just because we're human beings at the end of the day. You can't just be doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, no facts. I agree. Um, Rayon, so with that being said, I want you to look at where Chelsea are right now and I also want to bring Leicester into the equation as well. I'm going to ask you about your club and the top four race. How, how When you look at Chelsea now, do you think they're now certainty considering their form um, as well as Leicester? And where do you put yourselves, West Ham, and you know, I, even, I even put Tottenham in there as well because they're, they're fifth or <laughs> So, they're, yeah, they're, they're behind. Yeah, the fifth, yeah. So, I even throw Tottenham in there, so why not? When you put everyone into that equation, do you feel like there's still a chance for the outsiders to get into that top four? Um, I think... I think it's when you look at the fixtures that Leicester and Chelsea have got left. Leicester in particular have got their last three fixtures are, I think it's Man United away, Chelsea away and Tottenham at home. And I think Chelsea have got quite a few hard 
last few fixtures as well. Whereas on paper, Liverpool after the United game would have had on paper four quite good fixtures. Even though, but the problem is, is I don't really trust Liverpool, especially in those games because those are the games where we have been dropping a lot of points this season as well. In the games where we actually are supposed to win, so I'm not saying top four is done for Liverpool, but I don't see us getting it at the same time. So I think I think Chelsea get it because I think you're already seven points ahead of us at the moment. I think we got a game in hand, but still, I think I think I, and I think Chelsea will get enough results in the last few games to be able to get top four quite comfortably. I think Leicester's the one that might struggle because. I can still see them getting it, but their last few games are really, really hard and they have got a reputation in the past of last season of, you know, um, not getting over the line in the end for top four when they were in a good position for it. So that's why I've got my doubts on Leicester. And West Ham, West Ham have lost their last, I think they've lost their last game or two, I think. Um, I think they've lost the last couple of games, West Ham. But they have got some good, uh, yeah, they have got some good games still to go there fixture list isn't that bad West Ham so I think they've still got a chance I don't know about Tottenham's Tottenham are a weird one I, I still don't know they've had a couple of games good good results under Mason but I still don't know I I still don't trust Tottenham do you get what I mean oh, yeah, especially yeah. with Mason in charge and an inexperienced manager that if the pressure did come the last few games to be able where they have got a chance of top four will they be able to get over the line I'm not so sure so if I'm being honest, I still think Leicester and Chelsea are definitely in prime position to get it. But I think if any of those two were to drop out, it would probably probably be Leicester. What Ryan said about West Ham is why Liverpool won't get it. West Ham have lost the last two games. If you're going for top four, that's what you want the teams above you. Lose games, lose games. But where Liverpool was still below West Ham. And that's why I don't think we're going to get it. Chelsea can lose two, three games. And I still think we won't overtake them because this season we haven't been serious at all. We have not been serious. And we deserve to be in Europa or even Europa Conference, I won't lie. Europa <laughs> Conference? You can't lose six home games in a row and yeah. come up with an excuse. I mean, I mean that, to be that, fair, that already is an embarrassment. After winning the league. Yeah. If I, did oh say, I did say um, the only club that's lost more Home games in a row was Derby and everyone Derby. was at 07-08. Yeah, so if you're nearing them just after being champions, then you guys yeah. have got a big problem. Did you just say that Liverpool, the only team to have lost more home games in season was Derby, who had the worst? Is that real? That's correct. In a row. They lost seven home games in a row. Liverpool lost six. Oh, that's magical. <laughs> um, all right, then Ryan, I want to I I stick with you. If your team do not get top four, what do you need to do to get back in there? What are the changes you will make? Well, obviously, we will get our injured plays back. You know, if you put a fit Van Dyke back in from the start of the season, it will make a big difference. Not in terms of, you know, the defense, obviously. The, the defense comes becomes a lot better automatically, but then you can afford to put keep Fabinho in midfield. That it improves basically everything in front of it. it, sets the foundation for the whole system in front of him to be able to, you know, thrive again. But do I think even when we get Van Dyke back and Henderson back in midfield, do I still think this team? I think it could definitely still get 
top four quite comfortably next season if we get our injured players back. But I don't see us challenging for the league against Man City next season with this current squad, I'll be honest. I, I think this squad and team has reached the end of its cycle when it comes to challenging and for and winning league titles. So I think there are changes that need to be, there are players that need to be sold in the summer. We need to get some players in because it's, it's an aging squad as well. People forget that it is an aging squad. So I have heard about, you know, Van Aldem, I think we'll leave. I hope he does because I don't really rate him. And, you know, I think we've been linked with Basuma at Brighton, who I think would be a good replacement for him. So it's just changes changes like that. I don't think too many changes need to be made, but I think a few do need to be if we want any chance of like challenging for a title next season. I still think I, I, I can see us still getting top four next season, to be fair. I'll be honest with, with the injured players coming back. Fair, fair. All right. <clears throat> All right. We're going to finish off on the last topic, which is Inter Milan stopping Juventus's dominance finally. <clears throat> Nine titles in a row. Finally stopped by Lukaku, Damian, Young. I just want to mention the United players here, by the way. I'm not going to mention anyone else. Alexis Sanchez and friends. Um, <laughs> Joe, how does it feel to watch our, four, our former comrades finally lifting the league title? Yeah, I just want to thank you, Letter, from, from Inter Milan and all their fans um, for, for allowing us, uh, you know. I am, um, yeah, that's fine. I always kind of liked Inter Milan. Um, it, it does show the standard of what Serie A is, if I'm being honest. I'm not taking anything away from them winning the league for the first time in 10 years. It's great for them to do it. But if you're doing it with Ashley Young in your team, if you're doing it with Darmian in your team, if you're doing it with, um, who else have we given? Like Alexis Sanchez Lukaku. for what he is now. Lukaku is the only one. That you is against the other three, but like it's not really good enough anymore, is it? If if those players who couldn't like, let's be honest, it looks like Ashley Young going to leave now and go to Watford. How many of those players would be in a top six club in um in in England? Do you know what I mean? It's um it just kind but of shows. Joe, yeah, I'd have to slide disagree with that because let's say in the 13-14 season, or no, in the season before Conte came, if I mentioned mm. Victor Moses, if I mentioned David Luiz. I mentioned uh, Marcus Alonso. If if I mentioned Pedro, Pedro back then, not Barcelona, Pedro, you wouldn't say they get into the top six, but yet they got the second most points in the Premier League history at at that time. I won thirteen games in a row, which hadn't been done. At yeah, that but time. yeah, Victor Moses is actually at Inter Milan now as well. But like, don't forget, Moses was also at a Liverpool squad that almost got won the league as well. You know, but he, he wasn't was... an integral part. That, that's what I'm saying. Like when he was in our squad, he played maybe the first five, six games, and after that, he was just there to warm the bench. Well, look, if he's a good coach, there's nothing to take away from that. He obviously did at Juventus, he did at Chelsea, and all like that. And fair play to him. But like, it doesn't change the fact that how well with this team, and he, he still hasn't done anything in Europe. Conte as a manager, he's really, really dropped the ball there consistently. Yeah. But in league, he does. He's able to do it. But and fair and like fair play to him. But I'm just think I just think like it's not like a huge achievement to do it because it, it, Serie A isn't what it used to be and it never will be what it used to be when, when it was what it was like in the 90s where at, winning it was basically winning the World Cup. Yeah. If you look at Juventus's manager as well, it's Pirlo, you know. Yeah. You know, last year they had Sarri who's, you know, an established manager. You know, before that they had Allegri who's an established manager. When you've got Sarri, I mean, sorry, Pirlo in charge in his pretty much first season, he's a rookie. You know, you are going to struggle, you know, there is going to be a big drop-off. So, it's not surprised me that Juve haven't won the league this season, to be honest. Mm. Well, uh, it's not a surprise for me. I mean, 
Sorry, it is a surprise for me, especially <laughs> considering where Juve are right now. I think they're like fourth, yeah, and they're competing yeah. for top four with AC Milan. I think they're on the same point, something like that. Yeah, um, they, brought, they brought they they didn't bring in Cristiano Ronaldo because, um, like they 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 saw a young manager and they want him to to develop. They brought in Cristiano Ronaldo because they want to keep on winning. I'd even go as far and say they brought Cristiano Ronaldo in because they wanted to win the Champions League. Yes. That's the yeah. only reason. Yeah. The only reason. Yeah, they, they, didn't care, they didn't care about the yeah. league and I'm so happy Inter have won it. So, so happy. Yeah. So, if 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 Juventus and Ronaldo, if Ronaldo's tenure ends at Juventus with no Champions League, is that a fail? Yeah. Yes. Not on not him, though. Not on him. Yeah. I'd say... It doesn't affect Ronaldo's legacy. Is <laughs> oh yeah, Ronaldo's legacy doesn't get. But the move itself, yeah. But the move itself, the move itself is Yeah, of course it is. No, it's us. I think it is. The objective. No, no, but no, 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 no. I don't think so. no. It's not a fair. Ronaldo has scored what 119 goals and and plus assists. Like it's it's basically one per game. He was he was brought in to win the Champions League. But how many games can he win? But how but how many games can he win on his own? Like he they beat Atletico because of him last season. So he dragged them to as far as they they got. No, but if they don't, but if they don't invest, it's no such thing as one team player. If you don't invest in the entire squad, you're going to fall apart. They they bought Ronaldo expecting um, miracles from him, and he gave them miracles. But it was he couldn't give them miracles every single knockout game. And that's why I think it's a failure. It's a failure on Juventus. It's not a failure on Ronaldo. Did, yeah, yeah I don't think we're blaming yeah, no, Ronaldo yeah. for this. It's yeah. more the movie's failure yeah. because he did yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, yeah, but like yeah. the, the way the question was was what was the move a failure? It definitely wasn't because he scored constantly. Do you know what I mean? He's gotten them out of um, more binds than any, anyone else. But the fact yeah. is, it, the squad isn't good enough. It's aging, so it's down to Juventus. Um, so that you can say this time period, you can say like well, it depends on the way you want to look at it. Like since they were last in Champions League final, they, it absolutely has been a failure because they haven't been able to cross the line because they haven't invested properly, like so many other teams. You know, so I, I don't think. I mean, I'll make the argument then, just play a bit of DA that, look, at the end of the day, look at who they lost to in this year's Champions League, for example. And last year. Yeah. Who was the last year? Was it Leon? Leon. They lost to Leon. So they haven't lost. So did City. uh, Yeah, fair enough. But they haven't lost to great teams. Or, yeah, they haven't haven't lost. They have lost to, wait, I'm confused. (laughs) You're right the first time. Yeah, but that, that muddled up my head. But yeah, they haven't lost a great team. So at the end of the day, I'd make the argument that when they brought in Ronaldo, they knew they were going to get the goals. The goals were a guarantee. Like that wasn't even in the question. Ronaldo wasn't going to score goals mm. for us. Like that was there, set in stone. It was all about the output in terms of success when it comes to trophies and what you could say Ronaldo won for you, basically. Because at the end of the day, even if Ronaldo scored six goals in a Champions League run for Juventus, but they won the Champions League, they would have said Ronaldo was the reason why they won the Champions League. So, like, it can't be good for Ronaldo when they win the Champions League, but it's not Ronaldo when they don't win the Champions League. That's how I see it, personally. Like, it can't be all to gain, but nothing to lose. Even though it's not... Nothing on his legacy, of course. Nothing on his legacy. I think it's going to be brought up in banter debates, but when you're talking seriously, like nothing on Ronaldo. But I, but I, but I would say, um, if if they did win the Champions League, it would have been because they had a far better squad and far better everything. And then Ronaldo would have been, you would say he was the key to it because he would have been the guy scoring the goals. But for the fact that they didn't improve anything, there's a part Ronaldo um, who had the wrong manager each time to to win a Champions League. The the, the ingredients just weren't there. 
And Ronaldo did everything he could. He pulled them out of jail on several occasions, but they didn't get across the line because the ownership is balls. And it was just a matter of time before it all fell apart. Mm. Uh, and then a point lie. in Pirlo. And then a point in Pirlo as well makes no sense. I can't Sorry, lie. Man. Joe saying that Inter not winning the league is not that big of an achievement has hurt me. I'm not going to lie. That no, 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 no. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, no. It definitely, it definitely is a big achievement in absolutely, and it's, it's fantastic for the club and for them. And in, in Italy, it's a great thing that a new team has won it. But I mean, on the world scale, if you're looking at these players um, who couldn't really do anything anywhere else and you're kind of like, it's not that big. It is a big achievement. But like it, it shows the low standard of the league. But, but, that's, but you know what? That's Conte. You, and I'm gonna back Conte. Conte I'm gonna back Conte. But is, the reason why I disagree is because Kojo said he's only gonna focus on the United players. But it, Inter have a lot of ballers. Like Inter have a lot of good players. Latao Martinez and Lukaku are potent front two. Barella is a bad boy midfielder. Brozovic is a good DM. Ericsson. But how come they can't do it in Europe? Pardon? How come they can't do it in Europe? That's 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 one thing I agree with you. That's Conte's biggest downfall. But that was Conte's biggest downfall when he had a good Juve team. He was getting knocked with Pogba and them. He was getting knocked out into the Europa League, and then Allegri comes in, and then they went. They go to the Champions League final mm. twice in three years. So I think that's a Conte yeah. thing, and I hope he rectifies that because his European record is awful. But I don't think Inter's team is bad. I think they have some players like the United, well, some of the United boys, which I'm thinking how they won the league. But I also look at the squad and the bench. They have a lot of good players. I, if they click, they can cause a lot of teams in Europe's problems. Mm. Yeah. Um, all right, then, to finish off, I'm going to get a prediction from all of you. So, obviously, Inter Milan are in the top four. They're certified. But the race between Atalanta, Juventus, AC Milan, who are all on 69 points, yeah. and then you have Napoli on 67. Who and Lazio. And Lazio. Lazio are there as well, actually. Yeah, so... That's what five teams, yeah. That's five teams. Yeah. Um, I'll go, I'll go Joe, Ryan, Daniel, two, Daniel, one. Um, Joe, which three teams complete the top four? Just give me three names. Uh, I'm gonna say uh, AC Milan, Atlanta, and Napoli because I think it'd be very funny if Juventus don't make uh, top four and Lazio are a bunch of fascists so they can go fuck themselves. <laughs> Ryan. Yeah, I think AC Milan, Atalanta, and I think Juve will get it. I'll be. I think Juve will sneak it. Yeah. Okay, Daniel. Two. I don't want Juve to make it because I really don't like Agnelli. If I if I go on about Agnelli, I could be here for ages. I think I dislike him as much as United fans dislike the Glazers. He's so annoying. But Juve will make it. Then Napoli and Atalanta. I think Milan have just. The position they were when they played Juventus the first time to where they are now, that collapse is embarrassing. So yeah, I think they'll miss out. Anyone? I am going to go with. It's tough, you know. It's actually tough because I'm actually mm. looking at the table now. I'm gonna go with Atalanta. I'm gonna go with Milan. The reason why I'll go with Napoli is because I know Juve have still got to play. AC Milan, and I'm going to bank on AC Milan winning that game, and they've still got to play Inter, and I'm going to bank on Inter winning that game as well. And okay. then I think Napoli have a nice run t- towards the end of the season, so I'm going to say Juventus miss out, but I won't be surprised if Juve make it anyway. If, if, Juventus, I, if Juventus miss out, is, is Ronaldo running? 100%. 
Yeah. yeah. I also want to I want to point out that it's great they to see Inter Milan legitimately winning a title for once because they got <laughs> they got they got you know they got three in the 2000s which were just like here you go. <laughs> And then they got like they won three in a row when there was literally no competition. So it's nice for them to win it, you know, off the bat. So well done yeah. to them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll end it there. Uh, so thank you again for joining me. Uh, everyone that's been watching as well, thank you for watching and tuning in. Everyone's links are in the bio, but of course, we are going to give everyone a chance to plug themselves and their channels also. So, Joe. I want you to plug yourself first, and not only just your Twitter, but also your your YouTube channels, your personal one, and of course where we can find you as well on uh, Off United. Yeah, so um, yeah, find me at Acting Joe on Twitter, at Joe Your Own Way on Instagram. Uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel uh, where I release uh, comedy short films. My most recent one is Toxic by Joe Neil, and if you can give that like and share it around, that'd be great. And also, I am a, a host on All for United where we discuss things that are all for United. And uh, so, join me there. I generally am on Sundays and either Tuesdays and Wednesdays as well with a bunch of great guys. So, see me there. Lovely, Ryan. Where can we find you, bro? Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan underscore K1 and you can find me on Sarkism City TV on the Q&As, which are normally on Wednesdays and Sunday nights. And you can also find me on Bits and Bobs' Liverpool show on a Thursday night at around 10 o'clock. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. Of course, and shout out Flawless and shout out Bits and Bobs as well. Uh, Daniel, too, where can we find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm launching a podcast this summer called No Agenda Podcast, launching after the Champions League final. Um, big up everyone. Um, guys, make sure you smash the like button. And uh, thanks for having me again, Kojo. Also, before I pass over to Daniel, where's Cahill? Is he not here because of what happened on Thursday? Uh, <laughs> 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 no, nah, he's just not here because he couldn't make it on time. And truth be told, actually, you know, it's good that we're ending it because he mocks me for missing one podcast out of the whole 165. And now <laughs> so we're even now. Yes. Daniel, where can we find you, bro? Um, obviously, my personal is actually showing on screen. And then for all my stuff, as on the Bull TV, for all of my content there. And when I say, as on the Bull TV, are doing wonderful things. If you want to check out their, their platform, please check them out. They're doing wonderful things as well over there. And of course, this is Freeman Field, where you can find us obviously here on YouTube at the Freeman Field Podcast and Twitter, Freeman Field, as well as SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, Freeman Field. And this has been another episode of Freeman Field. Have a good night.